You're listening to the keynote speeches from our Melbourne Podcasters live event series. These are recorded live and feature some of the best podcast professionals in the country who reveal the craft and techniques of creating a successful show. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, Strategy Director at Wavelength Creative. We run and sponsor the event series. Today's topic is about monetization. Specifically, how we monetized our podcast and made $180,000 per year from listener contributions. Featuring our keynote speakers, Joel Zamet and Jackson Bailey, who are hosts of the hit podcast, Plumbing the Death Star, and part of the original team behind one of Australia's biggest and most successful podcast networks, Sands Pants Radio. Tonight, we're really lucky to have Joel and Jackson from Sands Pants Radio, and um, they've been able to build a business out of their podcast network, kind of accidentally, uh, I think. In many ways, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Like, it was a lot of, basically a big old accident that just sort of happened, and it was kind of just, uh, kind of just kept building on each other, being like, okay, if we get this much money, or we can do this, and okay, we got that, so now what do we do? Okay, we got that too, and it was just about sort of like setting really small goals, and then hitting them, and then being confused. So maybe a good place to start is actually where it all began. Yeah. Uh, and um, Joel, you know, we were having a chat the other day about the beginning of Sans Pants Radio. So let's go wind the clock all the way back to the start and, and you know, maybe talk about where you met the guys and, uh, and how you started your first show. Cool. So it was uh, back in 2011. Uh, I was teaching uh, radio and podcasting, but mostly radio at La Trobe University and teaching a practical component of a sort of a wider subject where it was everyone has to kind of get in pairs and make a four-minute radio documentary type thing. And while I was working at La Trobe, uh, I was actually doing my honours as well, and there was this beautiful recording studio that was just going underused. And so I sort of asked the higher-ups, can we utilise that for something, anything? Because there used to be a radio program there, that, like a radio station, that just got defunded. So I was like, well, we have this thing and podcasting is sort of something that I've been listening to since, you know, 2004, 2005. And what we're doing now in this sort of practical subject about radio, it'd be kind of silly if we didn't do podcasting. So put the call out to a bunch of students. So they were mostly first years to be like, hey, if anyone is interested in doing anything, something, please let me know. And we went through a a lot of iterations. Uh, Got like initially like a large group and the kind of whittled down, whittled down, whittled down. So initially had a lot of people wanting to do that more radio-esque kind of um, journalistic kind of thing, which is sort of where I was sort of wanting to lean towards. Um, Other people were wanting to do sort of music-based podcasts and I sort of helped them out and did whatever they wanted to do. And then we got a bunch of other guys who were like, I just want to talk about whatever. Yeah, (laughs) basically. And... These guys were the ones that were sort of in there every meeting. These guys were the ones that were in there sort of coming up with show ideas and all of that. And so the first show that we did, which we it's still going to this day, called Shut Up a Second. And it's basically just three people with a particular topic and they try to make comedy out of that topic for 30 to 40 minutes. And it was like, cool, well, you guys do that and I'll produce it. So I basically panelled for them and edited it and all that kind of jazz. And we basically just um, recorded a bunch of stuff before we submitted it to the wider internet. So it was probably six months of just recording a lot of stuff, and we weren't smart, 
uh, when we did all this. We had no idea. I had no idea. Like, uh, I guess when we say like luck, we don't really mean luck. We just mean, I suppose we never started out no. with the intention of making money off it. It was always just this kind of thing that we did for a bit of fun. And then as it started to gain traction, there came that question. Well, you know, yeah. we, we've reached this certain point. But that wasn't for like... Well, yeah, that wasn't for, <laughs> a, for a good years. while. It was, wasn't for many years, but yeah. So we sort of did this thing where, um, again, you know, going through which RSS provider, which host to go through, which website. And we did like one that was hosted by GoDaddy, which was just absolutely trash and painful. So we quickly shut that down and then went to SoundCloud for a bit. And because, again, we had no idea what we were doing and we had like four different shows happening at once, all varying tonally. And we just kind of had it on one SoundCloud feed and we threw that up. So, we'd, you know, we'd have our own internal logic. Or we'll have an A week, a B week, a C week, a D week. And we'll know what we're doing, but no one listening would have had a clue. So we did that for a while, and then eventually, because we back then we still had like seasons um, for ourselves. Again, our own internal logic that meant nothing to an audience. And then I think we got like an invite from Spreaker, like uh, an RSS little hosting site, which I really recommend. It's really nice, and they allowed us to like one fee, and you could have multiple RSS feeds. And so we're because we had a group of like you know, fourteen people or so. And we're trying different things. That was very beneficial for us. So we're like, hey, why not? So we signed up and did like our flagship program, which is called Plumbing the Death Star. And so we basically got that, chucked that on Spreaker, all the first 12 episodes that were up. And then we just harassed all our friends and family and coworkers to rate, review, like, and subscribe, and all of that. And through that, we ended up getting featured on the New and Noteworthy, and through that, we ended up getting on, featured on the big banner on iTunes. And then through that, a lot of the other sort of um, windfall kept happening. So that was pretty much like how we started. And so what point in time is that at? Like how many years in are you? That is probably three. Three, yeah, I'd say around three. Three years, okay. It took its time. And so who in the room has had a podcast that's three years or older? Champions. Three or four people. Okay. So it's not a lot, right? Like, there's actually a lot of commitment to get to that point. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the kind of thing where you've got to hold on. Like, because if, if you're not willing to put in the, the time, it's, it's never going to happen overnight, you know. How much money were you making at that point? Not a lot, if anything. I always remember when we had our very first initial big group back when we were like, oh, well, we'll just maybe we'll do podcasting. We had to pay server fees. Mm. So it was like, well, everybody should chuck in $10. And that lost us like two thirds of the people who were like, no, that's my limit. $10. Goodbye. Uh, this is not for me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. Yeah. Because again, I was, I was like, really? really? $10. $10 is. Right. Yeah. It's a good way to whittle down a big group, yeah, though. That's <laughs> yeah, very You know who's, who's keen if they're willing to pay $10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know if we were making, because... We wouldn't be making anything? a lot, anything. Uh, maybe, maybe. I remember, like, the first person who gave us, because we, we then... It wasn't a lot. It was a while after that big initial push that we then went and went to, say, Patreon. Um, and so Patreon is where we make and made and still kind of do make a lot of our um, sort of revenue source. Um, and initially it was like 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. And like, oh, that's nice. Well, I'll just pay the server fee, that kind of stuff. And it, and it was just one of those things where it was a slow build, slow build, slow build, slow build. To the point where I got fired or made redundant. From your, from your real from job. From my real job. Teaching because budget cuts. <laughs> but no, I, I was um, brought in to sort of teach some subjects out. And... I was really trying to push podcasting and push radio and push this kind of new and interesting thing that we can kind of then teach students that they can kind of give them their own voice and experiment with. 
And we did a lot, and we did a lot in about three years, but it just wasn't enough, and th that got cut. And that was very frustrating. But I do remember at that point we were making maybe 800 to to $1,000 a month. And that was when cause we had a big group, and I was like, all right, everyone, I need to have this discussion with you guys, but I need that. Uh, if, I <laughs> if I can take this, I can dedicate this time and resource and money and all this kind of stuff on building this show. Uh, one of these things where, okay, everyone, I've, you know, being made redundant in the next six months, this is what's happening in, in the future. This is what's going to happen. We may lose our access to the studio. We don't know yet. I, and I think, I think it's worth noting that at, the, at that point, you were doing the lion's share. Yeah. The rest of us were coming in and we were recording an episode, but any of the behind the scenes thing, any of the organizational side of things was all on your shoulders. Yeah. So it wasn't just like one member of an equal party <laughs> being like, hey, I'm poor, give me the yeah, cash. No, no, no. So yeah, I, I was basically doing all the editing, doing like sourcing all the artwork, sourcing all the kind of the nitty gritty that goes behind running a, a podcast. And at that point running three podcasts. So if we can sort of like work out what we're doing here, I'm probably gonna need like this money to pay my rent and food and whatnot. And we'll try and start piecemealing together equipment so that if we do lose access to what we're currently recording, we're fine. And it was a discussion to be like, cause we can right now split this up between all of us and we all go home with a hundred dollars and isn't that right? But that would just be kind of like, you know, pointless. Cause then it'd be like, that would put a cut to this. Then I gotta go and apply for more jobs. I gotta go on the job hunt and this will definitely grind to a halt. But I had a very much firm belief in what we were doing that I'm like, well, if we just take this very small sacrifice early on, then later on we can kind of reap those rewards. I, I was just gonna say, I remember it being like quite a, not shocking, but when you were like, here's the question. And in my head, obviously you're like, no, that's, <laughs> that's obviously your first thought. You're like, he's robbing me. But, but in the end, I'm so glad that I was like, yeah, of course. Like in, in the end, you know, the decision we made was like, well, that's just the most logical choice. Mm. And it meant that we could keep the momentum. What, what little at that point we had, but yeah. we could keep that momentum going and not grind to a halt. And there is something that, you know, we, we are collaborative. And when you're doing something with that sort of in a collaboration, there are people that do more work than the others. And so if you're in this sort of big group and it's like, if you're splitting everything equally, and even though that's very nice in terms of an idea, there are people that are doing things that are more than others and there's going to be someone who's going to be bitter about something. And it was very clear to be like, look, I am doing the most work, so come on, guys, let's try and do this. And so this is where the first lesson, I think, um, takes place, uh, which is patience. Because like, this was a few years in and still a few years before you really actually Absolutely. were able to make like, yeah. a salary and a living, right? Oh, 100%. Because we, we were making each other laugh. We were making people who would come in to maybe watch us record your friends and, and, mm. and whatever laugh. So we were like, well, we have something that's good here. Yeah. And we're, we're enjoying making it and we can see what little traction it's getting. It's getting traction. So let's keep on keeping on and sort mm. of see what happens, you know? Yeah. And it is this kind of thing where initially going forward, because I was very hands-on in terms of I was there when they were recording and I would be very good at cutting out what I would, I saw as sort of very dull moments or boring moments. And, you know, we're very heavily edited uh, in quotation marks there in that we make it sound like we're quicker than we usually are. So I get rid of those pauses, those silences, those ums, those ahs. Now I leave some of those in for other reasons. But initially I was trying to make it as tight as possible, as interesting as possible, as quick as possible. And the best 
benefit there was that Jack and a couple of the others would then re-listen back. And without me having to tell them why I cut something, they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, fair. And so they would listen back and understand maybe what's, you know, what you know, stories work, what stories didn't work, what was funny, what wasn't. And you'd end up sort of self-censoring. It, it does seem like such like an egotistical thing to listen back to the things you produce, but I'm, I'm sure we all do it because we, we wouldn't be here if we didn't love hearing our own voices. But it's, it's, it's a valuable tool because you're like, oh, mm. why did I say that? Or like, why did I think that was a worthwhile thing to bring into the conversation? It really wasn't. I won't do that again. Yeah. And so for a while, it was mostly you guys and I was very, very much not in front of the microphone. Um, and it wasn't until later down the track where we were sort of like just chinwagging about another show idea. I just said, I kind of think we put the original Star Wars films on a pedestal. And then several people jumped down my throat. And, you know, someone was in the studio, hit record, and we were like, well, that was kind of funny. Let's go from there. What if that was a show? <laughs> yeah. And we sort of like kind of sprung out over there to kind of be like, hey, what about this dumb thing? Why can't a hut be a stormtrooper? And, and it's funny, you know, like talking about patience. Yeah. Like so many people that we started out with just have dropped off along the way because they got, you know, they were spending time, they were dedicating time and, and all of that resources yeah. to coming into the studio. And eventually they, they were just like, this is not, you know, no, no bad feelings towards them but they were just like well this is not i can't hack it i gotta go yeah there was a one really key moment i, I remember with the, um, our other sort of co-host in the show and there was something happening like a, a, a social event or whatever but we had booked the studio and we were trying to get um, a few episodes done because that's another thing we tend to do is we bulk record so we'll bulk record maybe uh, eight episodes at one time where we're very uh workhorse way that way and so I just remember there was something on and we were trying to get at least three episodes done. And we were like, come, let's do another three. And he's in like, after a bit of like faffing around, he was like, I'm afraid that you guys are treating this more as like a business than a group of friends. And both me and Jack were like, yes, yes, we are. That you've, you've solved it. You've yep, solved nail the Nail on the goddamn head there, That's mate. what's happening here. Which then derailed the rest of the recording uh, session. But it was a good to hash that out um, with him. To be like, so that we're all on the same page here that, you know, this, this is you mm. know, what we're doing. And if this isn't the kind of thing you want to do, well, you, yeah. you shouldn't be here because it's just going to be more of the same. Through this period, you're honing your craft, you know, getting better at what you do. And you're also learning the, the kind of business side of it as well, right? Yeah. And at some point, um, I assume that there's a moment where you go, ah, oh, this is like going to work. Like there's, I think with any startup or any kind of project, you're, you're kind of figuring it out for a lot of the, a lot of the time. What point did you know that this was actually going to work from a business perspective? Uh, I think it was that moment I asked Jack what it would take for him to leave his then great job. I was working at a general store in the country. <laughs> that was haunted. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> So I think at that point, and, and this was all sort of like while we've been sort of doing this, we've been experimenting with new shows. And so the other show we do is, uh, it's called D&D is for Nerds and we play Dungeons and Dragons. And so that is a really, really good little podcast that we do in that it's very easy to draw people in because it's a narrative. And so we kind of had this idea uh, with our Patreon to sort of like, our patron is like another kind of story because there's a lot of it was like retooling and reworking and how do we do this and how do we do this and initially we we're like for five bucks we'll give you your name out and we'll give you a hug in the street if we see you and I'll I'll send I'll pay your mortgage. Um, so we kind of were like doing all these dumb things to promise and that not so much dumb things just a lot of arse ache and end up just being more work for Zamet 
And a lot of the like a lot of our um, what we tend to do is you know is this going to be more work for me? Yes, I don't want to do it. So we tried to really streamline that content. So rather than you know having to physically send out a mug or a t-shirt, we'd be like, what? That, that's just we're bad at that. We're bad at organization. What are we good at? We're good at content. We um, are good at content creation. So. With D&D, what we were trying to do is like, well, it's a story. People want to know what happens next. So what about like, hey, you pay a little bit extra. You, you hear it early. Okay. So, hey, you get the first, you know, you're two weeks ahead and that's kind of neat. And then from there, it was like, hey, well, if you like that, you might like this show that we're doing and we're going to produce it and it's behind a paywall. I don't like once it's free to then kind of take it off and put it behind a paywall. I prefer to be, hey, here's some stuff for free. And if you still like what we're doing, here's some like bonus stuff over here. And that may eventually trickle out. So there was this sort of, we did this sort of D&D thing and there was this sort of moment where like the patron just kept building up and building up. It's um, a subscription that you pay and then you hopefully get something out of it. And I remember the first person to ever do that was this person who gave us like 20 bucks a month. We're like, you crazy, why? Um, <laughs> and then, cause then we were like, hey, do you want anything? Like, yeah, like a t-shirt or whatever. Like, no, 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 you guys keep that. You guys keep me entertained. You make me laugh. Just buy yourselves a beer or something. We're like, all right, we'll do that. Realizing that, like, oh, well, people kind of like this kind of stuff. People well, enjoy this stuff. I think it's, it's that realization because you're like, oh, well, we'll send out T-shirts and we'll say your name on the podcast, which mm. we quickly realized we shouldn't do because it's like, his 40 names. You got to say everybody wants to hear that in their podcast, <laughs> 40 names being listed. But when you realize that some people are just supporting you to support you, mm. you actually start thinking about the rewards as like actual rewards. Do you know what I mean? You're like, this is, this is us saying thank you mm. instead of like, a, oh, you gave it. You know, it's not a transaction anymore. It's a, no. I mean, I guess it still is a transaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so we were sort of doing the patron and spruiking that. And I think the D&D people wanting to know what happened next and us going like, hey, cool, we can do some more bonus stuff there as well. It was this moment where like, okay, I had two people sort of working for me um, and paying them. And I sort of went to the other one. I'm like, look, if you took a pay cut and I gave the other boy money we can basically get him working full-time which means we can now start doing you know producing more content and maybe doing some more bonus shows and all this kind of stuff to make that kind of happening and she reluctantly realized like well look at the same as you know before it's like yeah that sucks but now i see the benefit there and so she's like yep that's fine but within two weeks our patriot had kicked back up so i'm like guess what you got paid more again so it was very fortuitous but um it was this kind of a weird time of growth that we just had no idea was happening or was around the corner but it just kept spiking basically at the end of every year that we've been doing this i have had a conversation in zamet often in a car where, where i'm like we're like oh what about this what about this will we hit this growth and i'm like look at where we were last year <laughs> to this year and it's yeah. and it's you know it's always such a leap yeah sort of to give a bit of example of that Two years ago, we were doing our very first Sydney live show and it was Jack's birthday. And so we did a Sydney live show and we're like, happy birthday, Jack, let's go perform. Last year, we did the same thing in the UK. So we sort of did a very big jump there. And so I think it was at that point where we're sort of like realizing these goals for ourselves. Um, we were very realistic. Like it's, we were very realistic about like, okay, how much do I genuinely need to live month to month? And if I can hit that goal, fantastic. I'll dedicate time to this. Because when you really start paring it down, you're like, it's actually not that much. So it's like, okay, cool. We can then do, divvy that up that way. So how much are you making today from all of your revenue sources related to the podcast? Uh, I know like one month we've made somewhere between, like one month we might've made like 40K. 
in a month. Another month we might have made 20. It roughly rounds about between 20 to 30K a month is sort of what we're currently earning. You say that so flippantly. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people in this room would kill to, well, to make that amount of It's the kind of thing that you're still like, it's like just, it's, I it's can't number that comprehend I that it's... I understand and really yeah. get. It's this thing where I'm like, yeah, that's there and I'll eventually pay more people, the, the staff we have to sort of do things. And it's like, and I'm, I'm a very cautious person. So like I, I make sure we have a buffer. I make sure that we have like money in the bank. So we've, we've got about 12 people that sort of work in the company all for varying different sort of like um, figures. And it's kind of like, yes, we could then start paying everyone X, X, Y, and Z and everyone kind of uh, gets on a pay rise. But I'm like, I'm very scared of, of it just going away. And then the next month being like, I can't afford anybody. So let's just have a bit of a buffer there. And so that's what I'm sort of currently working on and trying to do that. I kind of find it interesting that there's this group of guys and girls that accidentally started this podcast network who accidentally got really successful and popular and accidentally started a business making almost $200,000 a year. We find it funny too. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's eternally a shock. (laughs) And so I understand that most of the revenue comes from this Patreon-style model. Listener contributions, now you guys started out on Patreon and eventually built your own internal system um, and, and, you know, uh, kind of paywalls and stuff where you can deliver exclusive content within your website. Uh, It's called Sans Pants Plus. Yep. So, yeah, we we looked at with Patreon and then it's another thing we were doing. We were sort of like really driving and we realized that people like content and people want sort of some exclusive content. And so we did this thing called D&D is for Dad, which was Jack, his dad, and his younger brother playing D&D with our DM, Dungeon Master. So we did this thing where we're like, hey, if you sign up for us by like the first of, I think it was April, um, which realized then some people thought it was a joke. It's not big in this country. We didn't know. Um, yeah. So like sign up by the first of April, any tier, would be at a dollar, two, five, ten, whatever you'll get access to this little campaign we've done. And that really drove this giant spike in um, our sort of Patreon because people either on the fence or whatever and really working, like wondering what they're doing. So they're like, oh, yeah, I'll go over it because they're seeing value for money straight away. Um, and through that uh, enabled us to then go and do our own service, the Sans Pants Plus service, uh, partly because we have multiple bonus content shows running behind the scenes. And with Patreon, they they do have a protected RSS feed, but it gives you like one show, whereas we have like... Five? Five? Six, yeah. maybe? And how many public shows? Six public shows. So you're running 12 podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Crazy. And then so on top of that, uh, you have also diversified, I suppose, your uh, revenue streams into things like merchandise. Yeah. Um, you run ads on some of your shows. Um, I, I find it interesting that advertising is not where the majority of your revenue is coming from. What percentage of your revenue would you say comes from ads? Uh, again, I haven't really looked into it all, but I would say this whole 80-20 like that whole 80% of your um, money is from Patreon and that kind of stuff, whereas 20% of our stuff is probably from advertising and other sources. But it is something that, you know, we're, it's, it's, we're not going to like sneeze at it. It's like absolutely good. Um, but that's interesting. Like I think most people who start a podcast and want to monetize it think that ads are the way to do it. And so you've, you've gone a totally different route. And then there's a couple of other sources like, you know, doing live shows. Mm, yes. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you're performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival this year. And, and that's obviously a revenue stream as well. So I just find it so fascinating that um, uh, listener contributions makes up 80% of your overall revenue when you have all these other little things that are happening as well. It's this kind of thing where 
you know, it, having one stream is not great. Because I remember when we kind of uh, went from being a sole trader to... Uh, PTYLTD. Yeah, that one. Proprietary Limited. It was this kind of big switch in our bank accounts. And the money coming in just halted for a bit. And we're like, I have bills and wages to pay. And it's just this money, it's there, I can't access. And that was a lot of stress for Zamet for a good two days. So it's always good to sort of diversify what we sort of do. Uh, and we sort of do that through Patreon slash Sandspence Plus. We also have um, our own website uh, that we use today. It's called Podkeep. And it enables us to sort of um, sell our MP3s. And that can be anything from like the D&D shows in sort of bundled campaigns to our bonus shows to just like, hey, here's the first 100 episodes if you want it without any ads. And that has enabled us to sort of have another revenue stream. Then we do another thing called these like USB cassette tapes. And they're this nice little USB stick that looks like a cassette tape. And with that, we're able to be like, yep, let's chuck on this and we'll do some bonus content. And I think having that extra bonus content is really, really important because it just helps someone decide to like get over that line. Yeah, I was going to say, when you diversify it, it, they all kind of bleed into one another. So mm. if somebody's buying the first 100 episodes of one of your shows for because uh, they, they don't want ads. And they're like, well, I, I paid the money for that. And then they're like, well, I could just pay $5 a month and I get every show with no yeah. ads. You know? Or, oh, I, got, I enjoyed the bonus content here. I'll probably enjoy more bonus content. And so you know, through that, we then do live shows as well. Uh, we're currently in the middle of a tour. Uh, we just did Sydney and we're on to Brisbane and Canberra uh, this weekend. And you know, through there, we can sell merch and we do sell merch and that kind of stuff. And like going to the UK, I always said, let's go to the UK because it'll be fun. Um, our audience is primarily from the UK. We don't know how it happened. It just did. Uh, it's like 50% UK, which we're not sure why. Uh, and it sort of breaks down 50% UK, 25% America, and 20% Australia. Those numbers are kind of skewing a little bit more um, depending on which show. I know D&D, because we were contacted and did something with Wizards of the Coast, which own D&D, um, our American listenership has sort of gone up a bit, which, again, was a quite a surprise. So I always said if we went to the UK and we, like, turned, like, just broke even – you know, I'd be very happy. I'd be ecstatic that we would just be like, fantastic. Off the back of this, we went over, did some shows, and we just um, were fine. And we had no idea what we were doing, and we planned these shows, and like, we made a, a profit. We made a big profit to the point where I'm like, well, it'd be stupid not to go back. You accidentally made a huge profit going to the well, UK. I, can, can I ask, actually, no, are you guys... <laughs> Are you guys like business people in disguise, or are, are you we, like, we, or are you just entertainers? We we and met we met a guy in um in Sydney, Sydney who who he is a business person, and he just we just started telling him because you know he was interested about how we run things, and he just kept on pointing out business moves that we'd done without being aware. He's like, oh yeah, that's this, and we're like, oh good, and we're like, and then we did this, and we did this. He's like, yeah, that's that thing. You did that thing, cool. So it kind of was all happenstance. Yeah. But also of. a lot of trial and error as yeah. well. Like and with that, advertisers, we oh, we wind mm, them, we, we, we bachelored them <laughs> until we found one that we were like, yes, yeah. this is what we're looking for. But it, yeah. it wasn't so without pratfalls. A- advertising is this thing that everyone sort of looks at and talks about and is like, what's the best one? I know certain companies, like I don't want to put like programmatic ads, which are those ads which are like the company then chucks in the middle of your um, show. What do you think is the biggest mistake um, that you made along this journey too from, you know, uh, a couple of guys at university, you know, screwing around with podcasts to a, a successful business and touring the UK. Giving away a lot for not much, mm. I mm. feel, is our biggest sort of 
problem, as it were. We we all do that as podcasters, yes. right? So so where do you draw the line? Um, so as I was saying, we have three tiers now, and this took a long time to get into in terms of our Sandspans Plus, where we have five, ten, and twenty-five. And this was through trial and error. This was through advice, and this was through looking at marketing books and reading like economic books as well. And a good friend was like, we used to have like, you know, the default was on Patreon was a dollar. And he's like, change that to two. Because we did that and we all automatically saw like an increase in just people giving $2 rather than one. And so I was like, well, if they're prepared to pay for two, five. So that was our default. Our minimum setting was five. Because you've got to think about people, you know, they jump onto your Patreon and they see, oh, I can pay a dollar. And, you know, they, they're still supporting you, but they're paying the minimum amount. But if $5 is the minimum amount, they get that same sense of like, oh, I'm saving money, but I'm also supporting my friends. Yeah. And if you can pay $1, you can probably pay five. Yeah. Most people don't like extra clicks or inputting extra information. Most people are lazy, uh, myself very much included. So, you know, having something there already defaults sweet. So we had 5, 10, and, you know, 25 is what we've sort of currently ended up on. But still we had initially like 5, 10, 20, 50. Yeah. And we just had all these different tiers that were sort of like, you know, you sat down after six months and did the numbers. And you're like, one person is there for maybe the 50. Two people are here for the 20. Why don't we split the difference and try and make this Because your ape brain looks at 100 and is like, if five people choose yeah. 100, I'll get $500 a month. But realistically, no one's going to choose 100 or one person is. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's just it's, you're better to have... 20 people choosing the $10. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so a lot of those were really what we wanted to pay attention to. And initially our Patreon was a mess. Initially our reward system was a mess. You know, you gave us $2, we'd give you a share out we ended that we were like okay let's move up to five dollars very quickly and then to ten and then like because it just became another thing where i have to pay attention to a long list of names it used to be all right pay this much and you get a t-shirt or you get something sent out or artwork um and that kind of stuff and that became a more of a more admin than i would wanting to do and so now we have this $5 tier that is there where the large majority of the um, support comes from. And you get like every show ad-free, every show two weeks in advance. Also, you get like a bunch of bonus shows. And so it is the most appealing one, yet for the 10 and 25, we're kind of neglected. Yeah. And so I know in like um, a marketing sort of term, it's if you have three things to sell, you got the really expensive one, the really cheap one, you want people to get the middle one. We didn't do that. We Everything is for the cheapest. <laughs> so we regret that. After, <laughs> yeah, after reading that, I was like, because oh. you can't then be like, oh, I'm hey, you've been it. getting this show for five dollars. Now you got to pay an extra new because your audience is going to be like, excuse me, what are you doing? So that, that, that was a sort of a, a big thing. Um, it's sort of still there is it's that yeah we sort of do try and produce a lot of content and push that out well, I guess it comes down to you know if you're, you're selling you're shipping a t-shirt mm. that's quite a while of you know getting the t-shirt printed putting it but you can spend 45 minutes recording an episode and that's yeah. just as good to people and they can re-listen to it a hundred times but a t-shirt is just a t-shirt how much post-production time do you spend um, for an hour of produced audio mm, two hours What's your uh, collective audience across all of your shows? 750,000 to 800,000, I'd say, a month. Yeah. Uh, how many people on the team? Uh, 14. And uh, does there, is there already full-time? No. Uh, three of us are full-time, and then we have probably one part-timer, and the rest are very, very casual. I mean, very casual. How many years have you been creating this? Uh, six, six, possibly seven. Yeah. How long did it take before you were actually making money that you could live on? 
four, four, four yeah, I was going to say four years. Yeah. Like so that. patience is a, yeah. is, a, is a big thing. Yeah, you did the hard slog. Mm. And this is not really a numbers question, but what's the, what's the long-term goal? We don't know. We get asked that too often and we never have an answer. Yeah. The, the, the long-term goal, weirdly, was to get to the UK. And mm. we did that and we're like, sick. Uh, I know my long-term goal is like taking what we're doing and helping people out and consulting and doing that kind of stuff is what I love doing. Um, I mean, you know, I was a teacher and I miss it. And so sort of helping people out in that regard is sort of my sort of long-term goal. Because I think, unfortunately, there's actually a lot of bad advice out there. You know, um, you, 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 we, we've been to a couple of uh, conventions and experts and stuff like that, and people are just giving advice that is never aimed at the right people and it's never given by the right people. Yeah, we were at a very big conference two years ago in Australia and... It was just bad. Because they're, they're, they're all aimed at, you know, a lot of the podcasts, the successful podcasts are comedians that have, or, or YouTubers or, or people who are already have a fan base and they're like, well, I want to start a mm. podcast, but they've already got that audience. Or we, they're people on, you know, radio. Radio, exactly. But the uh, Sandspans Radio, we, we were just people. We, we None of us were anybody. And then we're like, well, let's figure out how to do it from the ground up. And I don't think there's anybody really out there and it's such a shame because there's so many wonderful podcasters, you know, in mm. Melbourne and Australia um, who just aren't getting the right advice. So I yeah. think ultimately, yeah, that's where we'd like to end up in a position where we can help people raise the community up, you know? All right. Uh, I'm going to throw to the audience. Who has a question? Um, did you find you had like a particular flashpoint moment that really launched your bike, got a huge influx of listeners? Or was it really just word of mouth spreading, you know, week after week, month after month, month after month? We've sort of always looked at this to be like, what happened and how did this all go about? And we can kind of think of a couple of instances, but I wouldn't, you know... I wouldn't attribute all, all of, it of it to those instances. Like, I, unless like Dan Schreiber from No Such Thing as a Fist is a real big influencer. I don't know. He, 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 he tweet like in the very early days, he was like, hey, listen to this podcast. And we were all like, oh my God. Um, like, and we sometimes show. were like, is that why we have so many British fans? We don't know. But so it could be that. Could be we had we had a couple of comedians on early on that maybe spruked it. In early when we first got on iTunes, that was probably a big bump. But like, yeah, when we first got on iTunes and we were sort of like we were able to sort of um, get featured and have a chat to the people who were running that kind of thing. I think in many ways we've almost jumped from spike to spike you know mm. what i mean so it's like oh well we we have that big itunes spike and then we're like well we get a couple of uh, comedians on or, or other podcasters on it's like oh there's another spike that's sweet and you can kind of coast that and then eventually you're kind of just moving on your own mm. i think maybe helped but again it's, it's kind of hard to tell two questions one really short one to start of the seven fifty thousand listeners how many what proportion are paying in terms of like um people on Soundspans Plus and Patreon, I want to say, is it 2,000? Yeah, so around about 2,000 um, people are sort of our paid subscribers. And you offer a lot of um, additional content, behind the scenes, incentive, incentivized content, as well as your standard stuff that you do. Are you? How often are you recording? Are you just back to back to back? Because well, how, what's your time? Because we bulk record, a, a yeah. lot of it is like, well, okay, so it's Monday. So let's get, if we can, five plumbings out of the way. And five plumbings out of the way means that's a month and a week. And we've got those five plumbings and you take a big break and then it might be like, oh, let's record a quick episode of one of the bonus shows. Yeah, uh, And all of our, our shows that are um, on the public feeds and stuff, those are weekly. But the bonus shows, there's not as strict a schedule, which means that mm. you can kind of be like, oh, we should knock one out now because there's not been one up for maybe a week or two. So, oh, chuck that one up there. Oh, there you go. Like we, we try to try, um, be at least four weeks ahead in terms of our, um, bon uh, in terms of our um, regular public shows. Um, other shows, uh, at one point, we were almost a year ahead. 
Yeah. But that, that's D&D. That's yeah. D&D. So, so Dungeons and Dragons, when we record that, that can be like an eight to even yeah. sometimes, I think once like 10? 10 hours at I once? I think that yeah. was maybe for season so, three. So, yeah. so it's like, well, that's a lot of content in one so night. So to know. kind of give this credence, we've, we're recording something at the moment and we're 40 hours deep. And that's hasn't been edited, hasn't been touched, but that'll be like a year of content just there waiting to be edited. And sorry, just another question. Yeah, your your um, all, all the podcasts that you do, <laughs> um, are they all the, the same length or that, do they vary in length? They vary yeah. in length. We never really had like a strict idea of like time. And, and some have grown over time as well. Yeah. And some have shrunk, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So yeah. D&D was the only one we were very much like, initially we were 30 minutes. And like it was a 30 minute show and then we moved that to um, 30 minutes twice a week because we had so much to get through. And then we just went once a week for an hour because uploading speeds drove me insane. Um, but the other show is kind of like... We have, we have shows that can go from like an, an hour and a half at like the, mm. the biggest to like 28 minutes at the shortest. Yeah. So it kind of does vary in length. Yeah. You're running Patreon and Sans Pans Plus? Yes. Why? Um, just because I, we made sure that when we launched Sandspans Plus, Patreon could talk to it. Most people don't like change. Most people don't like doing a thing. So this enabled us to be like, we, our website that we're building will be able to talk to Patreon so you can log in with your Patreon details and then you can access all the tiered stuff. Another reason we moved over was the protected RSS feeds we couldn't get through. So Patreon. your ideal situation would be to just run Sans oh, yeah, Plus. Yeah, we also, you can't you yeah. can't drop yeah, we, Patreon because you got yeah. too many. Yeah, and and people still sign up there, and also people that's their preferred payment um, plan, and also if they're on Patreon, paying other content creators, that's fine. Um, the the biggest thing that we tend to sort of get over Patreon is we get that extra 5% that Patreon um, take. So if you go through Sandspans Plus, we get that extra 5%. And like the vast majority have moved over, um, but there is still that remaining there. And it's those things that'll just slowly kind of trickle over. over. You covered uh, post-production, what you spend um, editing your shows. What about pre-production? How, how long would you spend? A lot of our shows are, are, show? are largely improvised. Yeah. So uh, it's it's more like, so for Shut Up a Second, our very, very first show that's still going, it's like we sit down in the studio, we're like, all right, what are we going to talk about today? Somebody's like, bats. And we're like, sweet. And then we hit record. Yep. Uh, um, my, my favorite ones are those are when you just trick someone into being in an episode. My favorite, everybody's sitting there. Well, we were talking about it before, the three of us on here, and just to start an episode and trick you. But yeah, everybody's sitting down. You just hit record and go for it, and everyone's on the off foot, and it always makes for good comedy. For, for other shows like uh, D&D is for Nerds, uh, obviously the, the Dungeon Master who comes up with the story that we're going to be, that, that, that's a lot of pre-production for him. He has to write, um, mm. you know, the one we're in is 40 hours long so far, the one we're currently doing, which requires a lot of pre-production. Um, but then, and uh, movie maintenance, which is another one we have where uh, the hosts rewrite a, a movie that they didn't think was very good. Again, that's an, a lot of pre-production. So it kind of varies mm. ultimately, I suppose. So, and, I, and, and, the, and the sort of flagship one, Plumbing the Death Star, it's usually we see a film like, I got some beefs about this. What do you think? And like, we just go from there. Or I'm like, you know, for example, I was watching uh, someone play like Assassin's Creed and I'm like, that's a stupid outfit. Is there an episode in there? Because it's white. It's not good for blending in. And so you kind of build around that. Um, how do you convince the people listening to actually, you know, sign up to the paid service? Like, do you capture emails? Do you do any social media marketing? When we say there's like 700 to 800,000, you got to consider that six shows and you got to consider that's weekly. So you keep dividing, dividing, dividing. And it's something I've noticed a lot in, say, podcasting spheres where they won't. 
they'll be like, this is our listenership and they'll give a number. And then you want to like raise your hand and be like, okay, that per show, that per episode, how, what's the breakdown here? Um, and so for us, we were always sort of dividing it in this kind of stuff. And we talked to a media person, like a marketing person, like, don't do that, you idiot. Um, I'm like, all right. So we basically just try and keep everything. I, I always think what's good for the listener. And we sort of have this thing at the, like, the start, if we're advertising anything, it's usually a live show. We're like, hey, we're here, goodbye, bye. And then at the end, we always have a bumper, which is like, if you want to go here, go. If you want to help support the show and give us a dollar, soundspaceplus.com, sick. Um, and then we try and just use, we use the same bumper now each time, just because it's just easier for me. Um, but we are now like sort of doing that, um, getting emails and having a newsletter and doing all those things that we're meant to be doing. And, you know, hiring someone in for um, sort of a PR slash marketing slash live show producer. She now sort of does a lot of that. Do you appear on any other podcasts often? Like, do you do cross promotions and uh, things like that? When we can, definitely. Um, but it's not a thing we do. Well, actually, recently, we've been kind of doing it more and more, but uh, not not like regularly. So it's mm. not the kind of thing where it's like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll be appearing on um, this show. And it's also the kind of thing where it's 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 uh, it's always like a difficult bridge to gap that like, yeah. oh, can we come on your show? Do you want to come on our show? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, especially living in Melbourne, Australia. Um, there are, of course, some great podcasts in Melbourne, Australia, but a lot of the sort of um, similar sort of shows that we have are in America or the UK, and it's very frustrating. All right, well, I want to say thank you to the guys for coming along, so please thank give you. them a round of applause. Thank you.